I'm Sheila. And I'm Sarah. And welcome to season two of Pushing Pediatrics, an educational podcast for physical therapists created to help those studying for the Pediatric Certified Specialist exam and anyone else interested in learning more about pediatric physical therapy. Last year, our episodes were played over 10,000 times to help listeners like you crush the PCS exam, and they did. This year, you can expect more content and even more review to help you feel confident on test day. Let's not waste any more time. Time to study. Listener note, this podcast was created as an adjunct for those studying for the PCS exam. By no means do we guarantee that one will pass the exam solely by listening to this podcast. We encourage all those studying for the exam to put the appropriate time and effort into their studying using resources recommended by the ABPTS and the APTA. It is not allowed to discuss test content and we will not accept any questions related to test content. While we will do our best to provide the most accurate information, if you feel as though we have stated something that is incorrect, please contact us via Instagram or Facebook at Pushing Pediatrics or send us an email at pushingpediatrics at gmail.com. Hey guys, have you been thinking about joining MedBridge to access the PCS prep program? but just haven't jumped on it yet? Well, we have a special offer for you. We've partnered with MedBridge to offer you all a special discount code on their subscriptions. You can either go onto their MedBridge page and use the code PUSHINGPEDS for $150 off of your subscription or click on the link on the episode summary to go directly to our Pushing Pediatrics page. Follow us, but not studying for the PCS exam? That's okay. You can still use this discount code as well. Share it with your colleagues and other friends who may be studying for their other specialty exams. You all know how much we utilized MedBridge during our studying and how we based our entire study plan off of their content. So take advantage of this special offer and purchase your MedBridge subscription today. Welcome back, everyone. We are back at it this week to look at some more research topics. Today, we are going to look at more specifics of appraising diagnostic research studies and the statistical analysis that are common with those studies. Diagnostic literature is probably most applicable to the pediatric orthopedic population, often to help us determine what tests and measures will be the most helpful when we are looking at a problem in a client. One example might be ruling in or ruling out hip dysplasia in an infant you are seeing. In order to help us, we need to know a clinically valid and reliable test. Maybe the question is, what is the reliability and validity of the Bartlau and Ortolani tests? The answer to this is determined from research conducted to assess the properties of the Barlow and Ortolani tests. I just want to caveat here that this is not from a specific research study looking at the Barlow and Ortolani tests. This is really just a broad example to help you think about how we would go about appraising literature related to diagnostic tests. So back to our comments, big picture, this is just an example. 
So cohort designs are the most common study designs for the development of a diagnostic test. Prospective designs are preferred. This is where a group of participants who are likely to develop a certain condition are followed into the future. Using our above example of hip dysplasia, maybe you take all breach deliveries at a hospital, which we know is a risk factor, and you test and follow them into the future. You can use a retrospective design where you would look back in medical records, but you might not be able to control all the parameters. So that is why prospective is preferred. So when you are planning a prospective study of a diagnostic test, you are going to perform the clinical test. Remember, we are still looking at that Barlow and Ortolani test, and you are going to also have a gold standard. Usually with hip dysplasia, the gold standard might be a hip ultrasound. If you want to develop a reliable and valid diagnostic test, you need both tests. There are, of course, common aspects of study quality for intervention and diagnostic studies, but there are some unique aspects of each as well. Remember, this episode is focused on diagnostic studies. Circle back to last week's episode if you want more information on intervention studies. The quality of a test or measure is referred to as validity. The validity is established when we compare the test to the gold standard. Again, for reference here, the validity of our mock study would be established when we compared the Barlow and Ortolani test to a hip ultrasound, the hip ultrasound being the gold standard. Why would we want this? Well, Valid tests given by a PT might save the patient time and money if the test is comparable to the gold standard, which is usually more expensive imaging. When you are studying diagnostic tests, both tests need to be completed regardless of the outcome. And this should be blinded so there's no bias depending on the outcome of either test. In addition, were the people performing the tests reliable? That is, the ability of the raters to repeat the test and get the same result in the absence of any true change. This can be intra-rater, meaning the same person repeating the test and getting the same result, or inter-rater, meaning different people repeating the test and getting the same result. And we want this reliability for both the test of interest and the gold standard test. We are going to move on to interpreting the results of a diagnostic study. This involves the diagnostic statistics. So buckle up. We are moving on to everyone's favorite topic of sensitivity, specificity, and more. In order to have a good understanding of sensitivity, specificity, predictive values, and likelihood ratios, you need to understand a two-by-two table. The two-by-two table has the clinical test in question on the left column going down and the gold standard test row across the top. The gold standard represents the truth. The gold standard is either positive or negative, and that is the truth. The table represents the agreement between the clinical test and the truth, the gold standard. So again, referring back to our Barlow and Ortolani example, it is either positive or negative when given in the clinical setting. You are comparing with this gold standard, which is either positive for hip dysplasia or negative for hip dysplasia. It is the easiest if you search out a two-by-two table to completely understand the results. 
but you either have a true positive, the gold standard says it's positive and your clinical test says positive, a false positive, which means the gold standard says negative, but your clinical test says positive, a false negative, meaning your gold standard says positive, but your clinical test says negative, or a true negative, meaning both the gold standard and the clinical test say negative. In a perfect world, all participants would either be a true positive or a true negative. But of course, this is hardly ever the case. So thinking about our two-by-two table, sensitivity is an expression of test accuracy and correctly identifying a problem as established by the gold standard. The sensitivity of a test is the total number of participants who have both a positive on the clinical test and a positive gold standard test. These are your true positives. This is then divided by the total number of participants with a positive gold standard. So the bottom number includes the false negatives in the equation. This makes sense, right? In this equation, we want to include the number of people that our clinical test missed. This is helpful information. Of course, we want this to be a small number that improves the accuracy of our test. So specificity is an expression of test accuracy, but its expression is in how correctly one can identify the absence of a problem as established by the gold standard. Thinking back to that two by two table, specificity is the number of patients with a negative clinical test and a negative gold standard, those true negatives. This is then divided by the total number of patients with a gold standard negative. So this includes those false positives where the clinical test said they had a problem when the gold standard said no. No test will be completely accurate. No tests will have perfect sensitivity and specificity. Highly sensitive tests increase the risk for false positives. Highly specific tests increase the risk for false negatives. So one has to decide the risks of an incorrect diagnosis. Moving on to more information we can gain from our two by two table. Predictive values are computed from the rows of your two by two table. The positive predictive value expresses the percentage of participants with a positive result on the clinical test who also had a positive on your gold standard test. Likewise, the negative predictive value expresses the percentage of participants with a negative result on your clinical test who also had a negative result on the gold standard. The book specifically discusses the main disadvantages of the use of the predictive values, and that is it is influenced by the prevalence of the condition in the study sample, so it needs to be interpreted with caution. Sensitivity and specificity really help us look at how a clinical test performs in the population. It is less helpful than looking at those numbers to interpret the results of a specific patient. Sensitivity and specificity refer to the test. Remember our example above, the Barlow and Ortolani test. Sensitivity and specificity are not useful statistics to understand how a positive or negative test for your patient impacts the likelihood that the person actually has the condition. 
This is such an important thing to keep in mind. When you perform the test, like the Barlow and Ortolani, let's say you get a positive result. When you discuss this with the family, you are going to give them the likelihood that this positive test indicates the presence of hip dysplasia. Likelihood ratios combine the sensitivity and specificity of your clinical test into one expressed value that can be used to help explain the chance that the patient has the given condition. Likelihood ratios are the results you can communicate to your patient regarding their test results and the chance that they do or do not have the condition. Likelihood ratios are used to assess two things. One, the potential utility of a particular diagnostic test, and two, how likely it is that a patient has a disease or condition. Likelihood ratios are basically a ratio of the probability that a test result is correct to the probability that the test is incorrect. The sensitivity and specificity of the test are the numbers used to generate a likelihood ratio. The calculations are based on the following formulas. A positive likelihood ratio is the sensitivity divided by one minus the specificity. And a negative likelihood ratio is one minus sensitivity divided by the specificity. In its simplest expression, a positive likelihood ratio is equivalent to the probability that a person with the disease tested positive for the disease, a true positive, divided by the probability that a person without the disease tested positive for the disease, a false positive. Negative likelihood ratios are equivalent to the probability that a person with the disease tested negative for the disease, so a false negative, divided by the probability that a person without the disease tested negative for the disease, so a true negative. So a smaller negative likelihood ratio, the less likely it is that a patient with a negative test would be a false negative. The more the likelihood ratio for a positive test is greater than one, the more likely the disease or outcome. So let's say you have a likelihood ratio of 10. What could you say about that test if the patient had a positive result? That would be a large increase and the positive test suggests that you are 10 times more likely to have the condition being tested. The more the likelihood ratio for the negative test is less than one, the less likely the disease or outcome. Likelihood ratios correspond nicely to the clinical concepts of ruling in and ruling out disease. We are going to wrap this up for today. We know that this is a lot, but we cannot stress enough how important this stuff is, not just for the test, but for your future in evidence-based practice. Check out the evidence-based physical therapy book linked in the episode notes. It is written specifically geared towards physical therapy, so it really helps solidify research concepts in an applicable way. We will be back Friday for some more case files, examples, and next week we will tackle a little more evidence-based practice concepts for you. Happy studying! Thank you all so much for listening to Pushing Pediatrics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Pushing Pediatrics. We would love to hear from you. So send us questions, suggestions, things you want to hear more of, and things you'd maybe want to hear less of. We will talk to you guys next time.
And remember, you totally got it.